Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Back with you, Weissman and Oz, on a Monday, beautiful Monday over here out in New York. Number to call, one six zero five five six two eight zero zero one. If you want to press 5 to talk to us, go ahead. Also, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, social media. Um, Errol, I'm here with my partner, Stephen. Stephen, why don't you tell the audience what we have planned for them today? Well, how you doing, Errol? First of all, uh, you know, a great, great weekend in sports. And, you know, we do have a special show for everyone today, as we will have Islanders beat reporter from Newsday, Arthur Staple, on with us to talk some Islanders hockey, as we, you and I are both very excited. we prepped for this day since last week. So, you know, first and foremost, uh, we'll just to preview it, we'll have Art on at 1230, uh, just to let you guys know. But first and foremost, the New York Giants with a big victory against the Detroit Lions. Errol, you want to speak about that for a little bit first? Oh, oh, God, I love it. Listen, man, this defense is dominant. And I tweeted out, and I tweeted out the question and asked, is this team represent 2007 or 2011 at all? And I, I think it does in some structure of, of from those teams. Now, the pass rush is not as dominant. What are you laughing at? Roughly. The pass rush is not as dominant. You just, every time I make a synopsis, you just start laughing. Pass rush is not as dominant. The secondary, though, is shut down. I mean, they are, they are big time. And I give credit to Jerry Reese because we were all killing Jerry Reese after last season. You you have to go out and you have to fix it. Not fix the defense. You have to make it better at least. We didn't think that he could fix it in one single offseason, but he did. And it's very rare that, you know, every single guy you sign from free agency ends up working out. Janoris Jenkins has been one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Vernon has been dominant coming off the pass rush. Snacks has been – I mean, you just watched – I think he's the most fun guy to watch for the fact that he just – I mean, now I know why they call him Snacks. He eats you up like he, like you're one of his snacks, one of his daytime snacks. I mean, he really does, and he, he really represents it with the mouthpiece that he has, the shark mouthpiece. Yeah. Even Keenan Robinson is a guy that people won't really talk about. It was a guy who only signed a one-year deal, a linebacker from Washington. When he was healthy, he played well. The shoulder from last season really messed with him a little bit. But he has played well. The linebacking core is better than it was last season, even back in 2011 or 2007. So we're seeing, Stephen, a lot of similarities with this team. And it's got to make you excited as a Giants fan sitting here at 10 and 4. It's just this is one thing. There's one thing. There's one factor that comes that into play. Thing. And I said this two weeks ago, and I will stand by it. They have the best player in foot, the best talent in football, best talent that we have seen on a in a Giants uniform in a long, long time. I'm not going to say. Those two letters from back in the 80s, that person, those two letters. But he has that type of impact on the offensive side. I mean, the last two weeks, what has happened? You know, we've seen defense, 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 one play by Odell, and that's it, and the game's over. You know, that's all, all the offense that they need. Well, you know, that's what you think, Errol. But once you're in the playoffs, it's a whole different story. 
you know, if they want to compete for a Super Bowl, Errol, this offense has to put up more numbers than that. I understand what they put up 17 yesterday. 17, yeah. Yeah, they put up 17. And you know what? That's okay. But, you know, once you're in the playoffs, your defense is going to carry you, but your offense also has to supplement with it. And they need Sterling Shepard to be at his best. I know he got a touchdown yesterday. Odell Beckham's going to be Odell Beckham. And they need a little more out of Victor Cruz. You know, talking about Victor Cruz, a guy who we're not even sure what his future with the Giants is after this year. I don't know if they're going to cut him. I'm not sure what to do with Victor Cruz's, but you want to get more out of Cruz. You want to get more out of your running game. I know Paul Perkins and uh, Rashard Jennings ran for over 100 yards yesterday. Uh, You got to like what you uh, saw from Paul Perkins yesterday. Uh, Rookie, uh, he was able to find some holes throughout the offensive line. I don't know, Errol. If they want to make a push for the Super Bowl, you know they have the defense to do it, but it's the offensive line that's got to hold up for not only Eli Manning, but for the run, uh, the rushing game with Paul Perkins and Rashard Jennings. Well, you mentioned the offensive line, and it really it was so visible about how much Justin Pugh meant to that offensive line and 100%. how much you know, he's missed the last four weeks. It, it kind of came to fruition yesterday with the offensive line. You saw it on the first drive. The first drive, they, they marched right down the field. I mean, they had, they yesterday they, on that first drive, they rushed the ball more than they passed it. You saw how much Pew meant to them. It was probably the most, actually it wasn't probably, it was definitely the most efficient drive that we've seen from them all season. So that has to make you smile a little bit. Uh, according to Jordan Ronan, uh, Kimberly Jones, a couple other beat reporters, uh, it seems like Janoris Jenkins is nothing serious with that back injury. It is a quick turnaround this week, so I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play this week. But you saw it yesterday from DRC, from Eli Apple making plays. DRC with the interception in the end zone at the end of the game. Even with this pass rush helping him out, this defense in the secondary especially has been shut down, even without Jerome Jenkins for a game or two, I think, can can pick up the pieces without him. You mentioned DRC with the interception. And like I said a week ago, Errol, this team has – this defense has many selections that they can probably get as – you know, pro, for the Pro Bowl. You know, even DRC with the interception. Landon Collins, you have to make, you know, an exception for him for the Pro Bowl. Imagine Norris Jenkins. I think the, I think Jenkins and Collins both sure fire Pro Bowls. As well as Snacks also. I mean, you you want to put in Snacks, you want to put in Vernon. If JPP wasn't, did not get hurt, you could put him in there as well. And the drive up and down this defense is, I, I, can we, but what I first of all, what I find funny about this, we didn't see this great, great defense in the second half. I mean, they were okay in the first half, but something happened. I don't know what game it started with. Maybe it was the Pittsburgh game where their defense. I, I know they lost in Pittsburgh, but the defense just stepped up. You think you 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 just said it? They lost in Pittsburgh, but the re- only reason that they lost that game, I believe, it was twenty. I want to say 23 to 10 or somewhere of that nature. The only reason they lost that game and it was that close is because the defense had a couple turnovers, had a couple interceptions on Roethlisberger to keep them in that game, to keep that game so close. That's, that's the thing about this defense. Even when they're losing, and I'll make the exception for week, uh, was it week four against Minnesota? I mean, they were just scorching hot at that time, that Minnesota Vikings team. They just don't ever play well in Minnesota. But even in that game, that defense kept them in the game. It was 10 nothing for a long time in that game. 
Northern and Elk looked at Minnesota. Oh, my God. When was the last time you saw two five? Them and the Denver Broncos saw two five and 0 teams, and neither of them are going to make the postseason. unbelievable. Unbelievable. But even the week after, if you remember the week after that Sunday night game against uh, against Green Bay, I mean, Janoris Jenkins himself was keeping the team alive with two interceptions against Rodgers. A game they probably – and people talk about their home home road splits. If you really look at it, because they're 3-3 three and three on the road, right? So the three wins are against who? Cleveland. They're against uh, – Dallas, and the third one is escaping me right now. Uh, it will come to me, but and then you look at their three losses. You talk about you know Green Bay, Minnesota, and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh in December is not an easy place to play. It's probably, I mean, more often than not, you're going to lose if you go in there in December. Green Bay is, is the only really game I, I put a dagger in them because it, that's just a game they shouldn't have lost. No, well, Green Bay looks hot now. It looks like they're on the road to win the division. After uh, what was a horrible first half for them, Aaron Rodgers seems to be on point with Jordy Nelson. Um, but you know what? I, I was actually thinking it was before the Pittsburgh game, Errol, where uh, the Giants' defense actually looked pretty good. Landon Collins, I remember, had an interception or two in uh, London against the Rams, and that was the third road game, by the way, that they won. Yeah, and I, I believe that was the spark uh, that you know. The defense stepped up to their capability. And you know what? I really think this is a Super Bowl defense. Dare I say it? This defense, well, the defense can battle anyone. I'm not afraid of Seattle. I'm not. Well, the, the, the defense is no doubt about, you know, no doubt a championship caliber defense. The offense that you worry about in the last two weeks, how do they win the game offensively? You know, Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham took over the game twice. Especially yesterday. But they need more. You know what? It's been great. They've gotten victories with Odell Beckham carrying that offense. You know what? Eli Manning has not been great this season. I'll give it that. But I I forget what the record was, but he has a very high winning record when he throws a 90% passing rate. uh, QB rating. QBR, yeah. QBR rating. But, you see, I'll take my – as long as this defense plays the way it does, though – I'll take my chances with Eli in the postseason because of what we've seen from the two previous years. I mean, we've seen clutch. We've seen him take over games offensively. And they win, really, they win on the road, too. Yeah, and, I mean, this year, obviously, there are more dominant home, uh, home teams yeah, than they are on the road. One. But really, you, and like I said, you look at the three road games. Lambeau, not an easy place to play, even though Green Bay was not playing up to their potential, especially the way that they're playing now. Minnesota, I really throw that game out the window because they were just scorching hot. Eli just never plays well there. And the last game, Pittsburgh, we talked about it. More often than not, you're going to go in, into Heinz Field at the end of December, in the month of December. You're probably not coming out with a victory. So I, I really wouldn't worry about the Giants' home road splits if we do get into the postseason, which nothing is clinched, but you, you assume that they will. And if you look now you can start looking at the matchups. You know, who would you want to play? Detroit, Green Bay, Atlanta. I mean, if it was up to me, I, w- I would want to play Detroit again. You know what I want? I want a first round bye. I, that's what I want too. Unfortunately, with the Dallas Cowboys winning yesterday, it is still possible. It is still possible. If the Giants win out the next two and Dallas loses the, the last two by some chance, which very unlikely, they'll take the tiebreaker and win the division and get the number one seed. Well, they have um, Detroit at home, which Detroit—they're going to come in there with some motivation. I mean, they're fighting for their playoff lives yeah, right now. Stafford is a one hundred percent. No, I know, but I'm. I honestly, I can't wait. I want to see Stafford play against the Giants because the last two weeks, I understand his finger, 
But from what I saw, and this is the first time I really watched Stafford uh, snap for snap. And from what I saw, I mean, this was a guy who's mobile in the pocket. I mean, he was finding the open guy, giving himself enough time with his legs to find the open guy. And he was efficient. Unfortunately, I mean, you know, a couple of times, Zach Zenner fumbled the ball in the red zone. And the Giants' defense just stood up, and then he had an interception really when the game was essentially over anyway. But, you know, I want to see him against this Dallas Cowboys defense, which, I mean, they haven't played. You look at the numbers, and they're not exactly the cream of the crop. But if you watched last night, and I don't know if you did, they got this guy, Nate Irving. They picked him up from a practice squad from Kansas City. And towards the, in that fourth, he just took over that fourth quarter. He did. Nate Irving? Is that his first name? I think, I think it's Nate. I got, I got to look back on it. Irving was his last name. Number 95 is a big dude, by yeah, the way. Yeah. It looked like he ate you, me, and our parents. He, he got to Winston right away. I mean, he took, he took over that game. Like, he was the single real. I mean, you want to look at it. You want to look at a single factor in that fourth quarter. I point to the kid, that kid uh, on the edge. Rushing at Winston, he he literally did whatever he wanted against uh, the right half yesterday. So uh, that's something that you're gonna have to look at if you're a Giants fan. Is the the new factor that is that kid? If you are gonna meet with them in the postseason again, but with this defense, you just gotta go. You go in with every game now, and you're confident because of this defense. You go into Philadelphia on Thursday probably without a Janoris Jenkins, and you're still confident because of the way this defense continues to play. But Philly, I, I said it to you a couple of weeks ago, Steve. I said two things. One of them I was wrong. One of them I was kind of accurate. I told you, I told you the giant thing to do, win that Cowboys game, lose the next two, come down to it week 17 in Washington. Obviously that didn't happen because what's the difference? This defense is a top three. If you want to say, I think it's the best, in the NFC, without Earl Thomas out in Seattle, now that he's out, I think he's really gels that defense together, the Legion of Boom as we know it. But I really do believe that the Giants could make a run at the Super Bowl if they have, if this defense is still playing well, still playing the way that they're playing, and Janoris Jenkins is healthy, and really Eli catches fire because we we know he can. I mean, we've seen it for how many years, and he he's not declining. Everyone says he want everyone wants to go up and say he's declining. He's not declining, and also, you know how I feel about this kid on the outside with the blonde hair. He is the most dynamic player they have had. Maybe you and I have definitely seen on this Giants team, maybe offensively most dynamic player we've ever seen in a Giants uniform. Oh, 100%, Errol. And, you know, looking to Thursday's game in Philadelphia, I know we have uh, friends going to that game on Thursday. We do have a couple friends going to that game. I don't know how they're going to get I think it's supposed to be, what, 30 degrees that day? Oh. Yeah, you know, God bless them. Uh, but you know, that's a game the Giants can clinch and get uh their playoff spot. And which I'm confident they will. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of different scenarios in which even if they don't win, they can make uh get a playoff berth. But you know, looking at scenarios and who they play, I, I wouldn't mind versing Atlanta. Uh, I I don't I don't know who else. You know, if you faced Atlanta, I mean, the possibility is that they stay at the five seed, which you would think that they would, unless they stumble the last two couple games here and Washington wins their last three, which would put them at ten, five, and one, I believe. I really last the pub, well, well, they had still have a game tonight, Monday correct, night against correct. Carolina. Yeah, uh, if you really, if you look at them, you would be looking at two possibly two dome games in Atlanta or uh, or Detroit. Uh, you would possibly be looking at Lambeau, 
if things broke right, I I don't know how I feel about versus Green Bay now. No, I I wouldn't want to face him either. The thing is, I mean, you go back and look at Aaron Rodgers, how he is in the postseason. His record is, is basically what what Peyton Manning's was. He's Especially great in, in December. Yeah, and he's great in the regular season. It's just when it comes to postseason time, he, he has a tendency to come up small aside from aside from one run. And then you look at some of the other postseason wins. He just, I mean, one of them was against Joe Webb. I mean, one of them was one of them. He had the win with a hail mary. It, it, or excuse me, he didn't win that game. He should have won that game. Oh, nice catch! I yeah, remember that. I, I, I mean, what he did last year was incredible. What he's doing right now is incredible. That's the thing that would scare me. I mean, it's basically asking, would you want to go up against Rogers, Ryan? Or Matthew Stafford. I mean, pick your poison. But with this defense, you have a lot of confidence. I mean, they already beat Stafford. I, Aaron Rodgers, they lost to, but he looked, you, you saw, he looked uncomfortable. Like, he had a hard time with that Giants defense, even though they still lost that game. And, again, that Giants offense just all season. I mean, you, you've seen probably uh, hey, you know two games this year where you, you, you look at them and you're know, like, you know what, the offense had a good day. And one of them they lost. One of them was against Washington. They scored 27 points. So. They've beaten Atlanta in the postseason before. I think they can do it. I mean, that was a different was, Atlanta team. I know. It was. And it was a full different Giants team, obviously. As that well. game was also in MetLife Stadium. You're right. You know that that was five years ago, so you do have to remember that. It's just, you know, these guys. Odell to me yesterday just looked like a man on a mission. Whether it was, you know, getting open with you like threw him a dime in that fourth quarter along the left sideline. Whether it was the one-handed, left-handed catch, right by the goal line. And the guy just looks ever since that Minnesota game where he really got ridiculed for. You know, bumping heads with Xavier Rhodes, with really throwing the net the week before. You have to give Odell credit. He looks like a man on a mission, a guy who's demanding respect around this league. Because you talk about the you know top wide receivers in this league, you talk about Odell, you talk about Antonio Brown and Julio Jones. I, I still think Odell is the best wide receiver in the league. I think he's the best talent in the NFL. For the fact that you look at the other guys, I mean, Julio Jones has that weapon around, has weapons around him. Living on living on Bell, if it, you want to talk running back. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's probably about, in the top five talent. Yeah, because of his versatility. Yeah, when you're talking about, you know, Antonio Brown, where does he rank? Because he has so much talent around him. Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, who, who's a great, who's probably one of the best pass catchers out of the backfield. I mean, he lines up as a wide receiver when he needs be, and he looks like a legit wide receiver. Um, Marcus Bryant, I know that he's suspended, obviously, but it just goes to show how much talent the Steelers team has had, opposed to the Giants. You know, one guy I know. Your favorite player and Joe Buck, of all people, alluded to it yesterday a lot. That probably was Victor Cruz's last game at MetLife Stadium as a Giant. I know that, and um, you know what? I'm ready to move on. Unfortunately, from Victor Cruz, he's just not, he's not the same since before his injury two years ago when he stepped on the uh, when he got hurt. Obviously, you know, before he talked hockey, he's <laughs> gonna hate Steven, right? I guess you got some haters, my friend. Ah, uh, whatever. Haters gonna hate. Uh, but Victor Cruz, uh, you know, can't expect much from him anymore. And I don't know what team teams can't, would, you know, look to take him on. He's no, he's not a horrible receiver, but like, he's obviously but, injury prone now. But this is this is the thing. So he's had two. He's had that uh, the torn patella tendon, and he's had the calf surgery last year. So he basically missed two full years. Now his strength was in the slot. He made great cuts and he used his speed because we, we when he first came into the league we knew he wasn't a great wide receiver he was a great slot receiver and he used his speed and his cutting ability to his advantage where people just couldn't catch him and we saw it game after game after game with the two surgeries he can't be the guy that he was 
So what do they do? They put him on the outside. He's going more downfield more of the games. And he, he doesn't have the hands to be that downfield type receiver. He doesn't have that speed anymore to be that downfield type receiver. It just, I mean, they're going to have to bring in younger talent next year. And he's not that guy anymore that could be a slot guy. Clearly, Sterling Shepard is the better slot receiver. So I don't think there's any room for Victor Cruz on this team after this. And he knew it. I'm not going to say he knew it, but you saw the way he was, you know, he was saluting fans yesterday after, uh, after really the offense was done. He kind of knows in the back of his mind, this is probably it for me here. And I was telling this to some people yesterday. I wouldn't really be, he, he is 30 years old now. Now, when you get into your early 30s to the mid 30s, you know, guys generally start to think about retirement. It really wouldn't be, I know you're looking at me like that, those big blue eyes, eyes of yours. I really wouldn't be surprised if he were to retire because really I just, like I said, he's cutting Billy. His speed was what made him such a great slot receiver. If he can't be a slot receiver, he's not a, he's not a, you know, a second type guy as a wideout. I don't know if this is fought for him on this team. And I don't know if another team's really, he'll get a veteran's minimum, but I I just don't think he's going to have much success. Well, there's obviously a lot of teams, uh, team needs to fix. You know, come off season. We don't even know what uh, who's going to be all the receivers uh, come after the season. Even the running game, you know, they're going to obviously want to uh, pay attention to. But you know, just going into the next two games, the Giants know that there's a lot to be fixed. They're on a good pace right now. They know what they have to do, and you know. Before we, uh, you know, have Arthur Staple of Newsday on, uh, just switch to the other side of, uh, New York. I know the Jets played Miami <laughs> on Saturday. What a debacle that was. You know, Bryce Petty, who looked decent, but then obviously got hurt. And at the end of the game, as Ryan Fitzpatrick had to come in and all Jets, you know, Jets fans hopes were lost. I... <laughs> He went 20 for 36, 235, one touchdown, two interceptions. The thing that you like is that the Jets and Shane Gailey is, is letting him go. He's not, they're not keeping him in a conservative level. They're not making the playbook really that, you know, paper thin, paper thin, uh, short. It, you know, they're letting him go. They're letting him run the plays. They're letting him go to the outside. Robbie Anderson and him have had really good chemistry since he's come into this, uh, started. It, how many plays have you seen the meme going around? It's not a meme, but, you know, people are making fun of it. The short video. Where the, just the offensive line doesn't even try to protect him, and he he gets sacked pretty hard. Hey, that's just it's just the story of the season. Is that this team has just put in no effort week after week. When they went down twenty to ten, when they went down by double digits, you saw they, this team just gave up. This team just said, you know what? All right, now we're down. Now that we're down by this much, it's gonna take too much effort to come back. And there's not a lot of maturity with this team. There's not a lot of discipline, which you point at the head coach. Did you see the whole uh, Sheldon Richardson Snapchat? I heard something about it. I'm not sure exactly what Basically, happened. Basically, on his snap story, he muttered words where, you know, I can't really say on the show. And it just shows the fact that, you know, he's just not at a maturity level that you would want from a 23, 24-year-old man, adult, playing in the NFL, getting paid millions and millions of dollars. Well, Sheldon Richardson obviously has some issues when it comes to, you know, off-the-field stuff. I don't think he's fully focused on football, which is what he needs to be. He does have a DUI uh in his history he has a history of not showing up to meetings on a continuous a continuous basis and uh you know um you know they they do have some talent there uh 
you know, the New York Jets. But it's not all there with the coaching. And realistically, I think Todd Bowles is going to be there next year as a coach. Uh, you can't base a coach off two years. I'm sorry. You no. just can't do it. No, and I, I've said it time and time again. I don't like to do that. You know, I, I don't like to do it even though Rex Ryan's getting fired. I don't like to do it even though we've seen we've seen um, a couple of guys, Tom Sula and maybe even Chip Kelly get fired this year. It's But the fact there's no discipline on this team. Right? There's no discipline. There's no maturity with Richardson, with Wilkerson, with a couple other guys too. But you point at the head coach. Should he be fired after two years? No, I don't think he should. I think head coaches need at least three years to set up, to really make their plan become a go. And really, But the fact is you saw them take a step back. They went 10-6. and six, And, you, yeah, you can say it was successful success as, a, as a season – but this team went ten and six. They basically, essentially, had a playoff game week seventeen against a team that had no Lashawn McCoy, had no uh, Sammy Watkins, and they still couldn't get it done. And that's lack of preparation. That's on the quarterback. That's on the head coach. Obviously, the quarterback's not the quarterback anymore, which he will not be back next year. But I mean, we'll, we'll see what changes this team has to make in the off season. And we'll see what changes that how adjust we will uh, we will come with this show as we get ready for Art Staple at twelve thirty. We're going to take a short commercial break before then, and we'll preview uh, some Islanders hockey. Be right back. Introducing the SND Podcast Channel, your new source for all types of podcasts. We are looking for new podcasts to add to our channel. So if you ever wanted to start a podcast, reach out to us via Twitter, DM, or just add us at SND Podcast. Or message us on Facebook or even email us at SNDPodcast at gmail.com. Once you reach out to us, we'll tell you the best way to create a podcast. All types of podcasts are, are welcome. So anything you want to talk about for our podcast, just let us know. No idea is a bad idea. We're already on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play, and all other podcast apps. All you have to do is record the podcast. So hit us up soon so you can start your podcast now. Okay, we're back here on Waste for the Nile, the 994 Sports Network. Uh, if you want to listen, it's 1605-562-8001. Uh, also, we have links on social media, Twitter, Waste for the Nile's Facebook page, uh, we will be having Art Staple. Or we will be having Art Staple on in just a few minutes. Here, as we will wait, await his phone call, and we will put him on air. And you know, just to preview the Islander season, uh, right now they, they they don't have a good record. They only have 11 wins. They're in the bottom of the Metropolitan Division, and this team had high expectations coming into the season after uh, you know a second round exit. Last year, the first time uh, moving up in the playoffs since 1993, and they brought in a bunch of veterans. And you know, uh, to talk about it, Steve. You know, I I said it last week. I just they're so far down. It's a big mountain to climb, and I just don't know if they'll be able to, you know, come back. Because I said it last week. There's probably like two or three teams. I would say the Blue Jackets, the Capitals. And probably the Flyers really fighting for that they're fighting for a playoff spot that they're just better than. I would probably put the Lightning in that conversation too, depending on how they structure their team. If they want to trade Bishop, if they want to trade a couple other guys, because I know, you know, we talked about it over the offseason. When they brought back Stamkos, that's what's re- what's going to have to happen. They're going to have to trade a guy or two. I don't know. You don't know what's going on with the goalie situation. You don't know what's going on with the head coach. The head coach can't make up what lines that he wants. So really. It, it's gonna be a long. It's gonna be a tall mountain to climb, 
I don't know if this team is good enough to make that climb of that, you know, of that large mountain that they would have to really come up with. I mean, you look at the standings again, last place in the division, they're 28, they got 28 points, three, three behind the devils just to move up in the standings. And I'm not sure if they have the requisite talent to do that. Well, you know, Gus Snow had a plan this off season and it was to bring in a veteran presence, uh, potentially a left winger for John Tavares as he brought in Andrew Ladd. And Andrew Ladd unfortunately hasn't produced to his, uh, and hasn't, you know, lived up to his expectations so far. You know, we're uh, almost midway through the season and uh, hopefully, you know what, in the second half, this team uh, can produce more goals. You know, you're looking for more production from guys like Jason Samara, who you brought in, uh, and Andrew Ladd. You know, you're trying to replace guys, veteran guys like Franz Nielsen, Kyle Pozo, and Matt Martin, who brought, you know, not only skill, but a leadership presence to this organization. Well, that's what we said in the beginning of the season. We're going to ask Art that when he comes on as well. You know, this the departure of those three who have been here for a number, who were here for a number of years, uh, make a difference. And we're going to have Art on right now. We have Arthur Staple of Newsday, the Islanders beat reporter. How are you doing, Arthur? I'm good, fellas. How are you? Great. We're very happy to have you on here. I know you have a busy, busy schedule ahead of you uh, covering the Islanders. We appreciate all that you do. And we just might want to ask you a couple questions, if you don't mind. Sure, go ahead. Yeah, well, uh, so the team had a bunch of expectations coming into this season. You know, they made it to the second round of the playoffs, and that's something they haven't done since 1993. Uh, wow, 23 years, uh, and I've been an Islander fan for 22. But, you know, they came into this season with a lot of high expectations. What happened? Uh, you know, it's been uh, it's been a pretty much a perfect storm of uh, of uh, awfulness, I guess you could say, so far this year. Uh, it started when they let Kyle Pozo and Matt Martin go in free agency, uh, and that was kind of a predetermined decision, especially the one on Pozo, and uh, and then Franz Nielsen surprised them by deciding to to walk as well on July first. So uh, they brought in Andrew Ladd and Jason Chimera and PA Parento, which uh, I think a lot of fans felt like was was uh, a bit of a downgrade from the three guys who had been here a long time. And, um, you know, we got into training camp, and uh, John Tavares spent most of that training camp time up in Toronto in the World Cup with uh, with Team Canada, so that didn't really afford a lot of uh, chemistry building with some of the new guys. Uh, it seemed to affect uh, P.A. Parento quite a bit. The Islanders made a surprise move to put him on waivers. Uh, the Devils picked him up, and he's been okay for them not great but certainly on a team like the islanders that could use any help they could get uh you would have thought that he would have been able to stick around and help out a little bit so um it got off on the wrong foot before the games even started and i think once the season began uh you know they haven't been terrible uh they're certainly uh you as you said you've been an islander fan for a long time you've seen some bad starts and bad seasons this is not that bad but i think with the expectations like you said of being a playoff team the last two years um and, uh, you know, needing guys to take a step forward when they lost those three guys in free agency, that hasn't really happened. The goaltending has slipped back a bit. Um, you know, the coaching staff, I think, has, has shown an inability to really adapt, I guess, to some of the uh, some of the bad things that have happened this year. And 
losing a ton of close games, especially late, which was really not their identity the last few years. Even when the team was not that great, they were a team that at least worked hard and, and, and worked to the final horn, and that seems to have disappeared a little bit. And then you look at the division. Uh, you know, the top five teams in that division have had ridiculous starts to the year, and, you know, you see the Rangers at the top almost 20 points ahead of them, just 30 games in, and uh, I think all that stuff weighs on the players. They uh, They start to feel a little helpless when they lose a close game, and Suddenly, they're they're not just uh, it's not just the two points that they lost. It's two points that the Rangers in Pittsburgh and Washington and Columbus uh, and Philly have gained on them. So uh, they're a long way away from the playoffs to have it be this early in the season. And um, I think it's just an incredible combination of factors that have them where you know have them where they are right now. Or right, you mentioned how tough that division is. If the season ends today, six out of those eight teams that make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference would be Metropolitan Division teams. And I know it's it's still relatively early. It's only December 19th. But sitting in last place in the division, is it too late to say that this team could turn around and make a run at the postseason? Or you think uh, this team is just going to continue um, continue to reel it in as they've been over the last few weeks? You know, um, the number the statistics say it's a long shot, but it's possible. Obviously, there's 51 games left, so so there is it is mathematically possible, but it just doesn't seem like uh they have that kind of fortitude to go on a run they had their little mini streak uh where they won five of six and got uh, 11 of 12 possible points to to get back out of the cellar and and look what's happened since then they've lost five in a row they've gotten one point out of a possible 10 and um you know including uh the game last night against ottawa a couple of those uh final numbers were six two losses to teams that are good but not that much better than them so you know it's hard to it's hard to see what sort of uh, foundation they've laid down this year that would convince anybody that they could turn it around in such a in such an incredible way? You know, they're sitting there with 28 points uh, at the pace the the Metro is going at. You might think the cut line for the playoffs would be 96 points. Can this team get 68 points over the last 51 games? I mean, 17 games over 500. Have they shown any indication that they could do that? They haven't to me, and I've seen lots of the games. So. Um, I think it's. Uh, I think we're at to the stage where it's uh, it's getting to be the you know one in a thousand, one in ten thousand kind of chance that they could actually do it. Now you mentioned the departure of those three. You've got three guys: Nielsen, Oposo, and Martin. Although they did bring in, they did bring in experience. A former Stanley Cup winner, Andrew Ladd, Shamara, who was on those Capital teams that had a lot of success. Now, do you think that was definitely the biggest downfall of what you know compared to last year to this year? With the departure of those three guys, the years of chemistry that they had with the guys still on this roster now, you know, I think the fact that they all, that all three of them left at once, I think, uh, I think that's a, that's a, you know, kind of a psychological blow to the guys that are still here, especially a guy like John Tavares, who, you know, those are three guys that have been his teammate ever since he got to the NHL. Um, you know, I think, I think if you one, maybe two. Uh, you could have overcome a little bit easier if it was just Matt Martin and Kyle Pozo or Matt Martin and Franz Nielsen. Maybe you say that's fine. You know, Matt Martin, obviously a, a good soldier, uh, maybe the, maybe a more popular guy in Long Island than Tavares. But I think on the ice you could overcome his his loss. And really, the way that Casey Sezikis and Cal Clutterbuck have played at times, I think they've shown that um, those two guys might be arguably more valuable than Matt Martin uh, to the to the future of this team. But I think among those other two guys. Uh, you not only had uh, guys that produced a lot for the Islanders and Opozo and Nielsen, uh, guys that did a lot more maybe than just the numbers suggested. Opozo, uh, you know, 
posted a lot of his points last year not playing with Tavares, uh, mostly playing with Nielsen, actually. And Nielsen was kind of the Swiss Army knife for this team. Uh, you know, he's on the power play. He was really he was the guy that uh, carried the puck with speed into the zone to help them get set up. And their power play was never great, I think, during Nielsen's time, but it certainly had a, had a little bit more flow to it than it does this year. Uh, he was an important penalty killer. He took a lot of face-offs. And I just think his his attitude of you know an incredibly quiet, understated guy who uh, who had been here the longer longer than anybody, and I think his decision to leave, which seemed to be motivated by not really getting a, a contract offer early enough in the summer for him to not even think about going, and once once uh, we got close to July one and teams were talking to him and the offer came from the Islanders and it was a good offer and it was more money than he got from Detroit, but I think he got it in his head that. Uh, these other guys are leaving. Maybe it's time for me to look around. And um, you know, it's not like the team he ended up on in Detroit is doing very well either. But uh, I think just the the total psychological toll of all three of those guys leaving had a bigger impact than Garth Snow could have anticipated, and certainly the guys in the room could have anticipated. Now uh, you mentioned that the goaltending hasn't been up to par this season either. But there's been obviously a goaltender situation where the Islanders are carrying. Uh, three different goaltenders, and Yaroslav Halak, Thomas Rice, and J.F. Berube. And now that Berube's had two starts in a row, what can we expect from J.F. Berube? Or are they using him as trade bait? Or what's the situation there? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. I think uh, I think we all thought that this was a situation that was going to be solved before the season began. Um you know, and Yara Halak seemed to be the odd man out because of the way things ended for him last year. He was hurt. He was not uh, necessarily a very positive influence uh, in the dressing room. Thomas Grice, who's a very easygoing guy, certainly showed that uh, he can carry the load for a while. And the way that they bent over backwards to keep J.F. Barube on the roster last year, you would think that they would have wanted to give him a bigger role going into this year. I think um, Halak's play at the World Cup, maybe skunked that plan a little bit, but you would still have thought that uh, if that meant that you were committing to Halak, that you would have gotten rid of one of the other two guys and, and made it a two-person situation. It's, you know, Garth Snow likes to go against the grain a lot uh, when it comes to conventional wisdom, but uh, in this case, I think uh, his his stubbornness may have uh, may have bitten him a little bit just, just to keep all three guys around and, and maybe try to keep each guy on their toes, and really all it's done is is seemingly prevent someone from really seizing the reins. You know, Halak's had a couple of good games. Grice has been steady at times and less steady at other times. And Barube looks like what he is, a very young, inexperienced goaltender. And, uh, you know, it, even if you feel like he's played well the last two games, he's they're 0-1-1 one in those games. And if it's based on results, um, he doesn't seem like seem to be the guy who's who's grabbing the reins. So, um, it was a bad situation to start at start the season, and uh, it still seems to be up in the air because they don't, you know, they have three goalies and none of them is a number one. Do you think there's a possibility still that Halak does get traded before the deadline? I think it's remote. You know, I think uh, I think it'd have to be a situation uh, with another, where another team where they just feel like their goaltending is terrible and they f- still feel like they have a chance to accomplish something because Halak has another year left on his contract. Um, so, you know, you look at a situation like Los Angeles where they're in the playoff race because they're a very good team and they're kind of, you know, stumbling along with their goaltenders while Jonathan Quick is out until right around the trade deadline. 
would they commit to a guy who's going to be on the hook for another four and a half million for next year and with no way to really resolve it? I, I can't see that happening uh, unless there's some major salary that comes back the other way that's not really helping the Kings right now, and uh, that would hamstring the Islanders just as much as this situation is in net. So I think uh, the easiest solution uh, really to me is to is to try to move Barubi, whether it's putting him on waivers to send him down, and if he gets claimed, he gets claimed, and uh, you don't worry about it, and life goes on because the Islanders have a couple of good goaltenders in the minor league system right now. Um, they're team in, in Bridgeport is, is playing well and has been backed up by a couple of, by Christopher Gibson and Eamon McAdam, uh, who have been pretty good. And they've got uh, Ilya Sorokin in the KHL, who they're hoping to get over maybe in a year or two. So the future is there uh, in terms of their goaltending. It's just right now it's a mess, and uh, I think they need to solve it before they uh, move on anything else. Now, you know, I want to talk about uh, the possible expansion. Well, we are having it. The expansion draft. I know there's some guys the Islander, Islanders would love to keep. I mean, we all know uh, that they need to protect Ryan Pulak. That's pretty much self-explained. But some guys maybe like Calvin DeHaan or Thomas Hickey, can we expect them to be on this team the, the whole season? Because you know you can't protect everyone. What, what do you see the Islanders doing in this situation? Uh, you know, it it's, was hard to predict before, and now I think it's even harder to predict because we don't know who's going to be making those decisions when the, when the expansion draft comes up in mid-June. Um, Garth Snow is team president and general manager right now. It's, it's known that the new owners are looking for someone to take over hockey operations. If the team misses the playoffs or if they lose even more in a row, that could happen sooner rather than later. So... Um, it's hard to predict what somewhat a new voice or a new set of eyes would uh, would assess this roster as, and uh, and that complicates things going into the trade deadline too for a team that, uh, like I said, is you know an incredible long shot to get back in the race. Uh, that would certainly indicate that they'd be sellers when the deadline comes up at the end of February, but. They have a lot of guys under contract for next year, uh, which usually hurts you at the deadline. You teams usually want rentals, and uh, you know it, there's not really an obvious choice of who they'd give up. And and would Garth Snow be under orders from the new, from the owners to uh, to sit tight because they don't know well, who's going to be running things when we get to the summertime. So it's hard to predict. the The obvious candidates, like you said, are Dehan and Hick and Thomas Hickey on defense. Uh, you have to protect Johnny Boychuk. Nick Luddy's not going anywhere. Travis Hamannick's not going anywhere. Ryan Pulak's not going anywhere. So um, that would seem to be the, the four defensemen that they're going to try to hold on to. Uh, you know, maybe a trade with one of the other guys happens uh, in the summertime instead of, uh, you know, leading up to the expansion draft instead of uh, waiting to lose them for nothing. But we'll have to see that you know if they if you take one of those guys away, uh, then you've got forward situation to deal with. Whether it's uh, someone from Ryan Strom, Brock Nelson, Anders Lee might end up being exposed. Um, it's uh, it, it's a it's a tough situation, and it's made tougher by the fact that we don't know what uh, the front office gonna, is going to look like when that expansion draft comes up. And Art, and again, we're speaking with uh, Art Staple, Islanders beat writer of Newsday. Um, now we we know where the Islanders are at with this season and in and uh, in the standings. If they continue to slide the way that they've been and they've lost five straight, this is really their second biggest second big losing streak of the season. Do you think Capuano makes it through this season if they continue to play it the way they've been playing? I wouldn't think so. You know, um, 
whether it's entirely on him, I know a lot of the fans, it's a, it's a heated debate about who's responsible or who's to blame, you know, and I think it's, to me, it's simplistic to say it's just coaching or it's just the, you know, just the general manager or it's just the players underperforming. It's, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a, always a combination of factors when things go well and a combination of factors when things go wrong. And obviously the coaches know that their jobs are on the line when the team starts to sink a little bit. Uh, certainly Jack Capuano is aware, and uh, I don't think it affects his decision-making too much. Um, but, yeah, I would think even, uh, you know, uh, they lose in Boston tomorrow, they lose Friday to, uh, to the Sabres when we come out of the, the holiday break and, uh, you know, Washington in Mini in Winnipeg, and then a five-day break, that's the new league-mandated break uh, for the Islanders is January 1st to the 5th. That's Those are, those are two pretty long gaps to uh, – sit and think about what's to come you know if, as far as Garth Snow is concerned he's obviously been reluctant to pull the trigger on Jack Capuano he feels like he had a big hand you know Capuano had a big hand in turning this team around the last uh, couple of years so I think he's reluctant to pull the trigger right now but if you have uh, a, a bit of time to think about it and think about who in the organization could be an interim coach who outside the organization could come in in the short term or in the long term uh, those those breaks uh, don't bode well for Jack Capuano, I don't think. And uh, if they manage to win a few games between now and then, I assume that puts off the decision. But uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think more losses, especially like the ones they've had where they've been outplayed and, and outworked in the third period, is uh, is to me a sign that the you know there's a malaise that's set set in on this roster. And whether or not it's Capuano's fault, it's usually the coach that is the one that pays for it. Regardless of where they finish in the standings by the end of the season, whether it's last place or a few points out of out of a playoff spot, if they miss the postseason, do you expect to see Snow and Capuano back next year? Uh, I wouldn't expect the coaching staff to say the same. Uh, I think it's hard to say about the general manager. He's very close with the new owners. Uh, he's had a lot of autonomy for a long time. Um, you know, if they bring someone in who knows Garth Snow uh, and can work well with him, and they beef up the front office that way, I could see Garth Snow staying for a little while. And I think the the key scenario to me is that you know John Ledecky and Scott Malkin are very new to the NHL. Uh, I think it's as evidenced by the fact that they've been talking to a lot of people, not just about uh, a team president role or a head of hockey operations role, but just talking to various other owners and executives. Uh, retired players, agents, they don't really have a lot of contacts in the NHL. So if you wanted to clean house in the short term, there's nobody to come in and take over that they know of. So um, I think that uh, that means that anybody who's, who's demanding uh, the general manager be fired immediately, uh, you know, I think that's the sort of move that would hamstring the, the organization even further. So uh, I think when we get to the off season, there'll be some serious evaluation done. And uh, I could see, Garth Snow staying in a in a in his current role or in a split role with somebody else or or maybe they clean house. It's hard to really say what they're doing right now as far as uh, the owners, other than talking to people and, and gathering information and kind of keeping everybody waiting. Well, Art, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to talk to us and uh, a lot of good information. And you know, we hope we hope the Islanders do turn it around. Probably makes your job a lot easier. Well, the job is the job. I've covered some bad teams in my time, uh, whether it's the Islanders or the Rangers a long time ago. I covered a couple of bad Giants teams uh, 10 or 15 years ago. So 
comes with the territory, but uh, it's still a fun job, and it was fun talking to you guys. I really appreciate it. We appreciate it too, Art. Thank you so much, and have a, have a great day. Art Staple of Newsday, everybody. And, uh, yeah, and that was Art Staple, Newsday, Islanders beat writer. And a lot of great insight from Art. Yeah, and, you know, something that, you know, we didn't want to put him on the spot about Capuano, but something that definitely had to be asked, you know, and we heard it from him. If they do miss the postseason, whether it's last place or whether it's two or three points behind a playoff spot, you know, don't expect to see the coaching staff back. Snow. That was a different story. Now, I was a little surprised by that. But, I mean, like he said, he's had a lot of autonomy for a lot of years with this team. Um, Stephen, how would you feel, if, especially as a fan, and for other fans that you do know, and we're very close with them, if Snow were to be back with this team? Because we've seen it with, with other sports teams. And we, we saw it. Remember last season, obviously, it's a different sport, different team. With the Giants, everyone was calling for Jerry Reese's head after Coughlin was essentially let go. And he ended up doing a good job. So, you know, you never know with these GMs, but how would you feel? Do you think maybe Snow has the ability to put this team back together? Well, you know, my opinion on Garth Snow is, you know what, he's not the issue. What happened during the offseason was the issue. You know, I don't think the signing of Andrew Ladd and Jason Chimera was enough. You know, with the expectations coming into the season, you have to expect this team to even get to the next round of the playoffs. And you know what? I've had a lot of trust in Garth throughout the years. And I've obviously had my doubts. I love the trade for Johnny Boychuk and Nick Letty. I absolutely love that. I thought at the time, you know what? I love the Mikhail Grabowski and Nikolai Kuhlman contracts. Uh, maybe five years was a little too long. But obviously, Mikhail Grabowski's been hurt most of this contract. Really bad contract. Uh, you know, Nikolai Kuhlman hasn't been the scorer, you know, but he's been the penalty killer that you wanted. Uh, and he, he's made some iffy moves, but you know what? I do have faith in Garth Snow that he's trying. He's at least trying to make, you know, deals happen. You, you, everyone sees it. John Tavares needs a proven winner. I don't, I question the fact that he rejected the offer from Edmonton on Taylor Hall for Travis Hamannick. Meanwhile, he got traded for I, 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 Adam Larson. I, significantly, if you put Larson, I mean, you would take Hamannick over Larson any day of the week. So I question that, but you no. Know, other than that, I really, I really do have faith in Garth Snow. A lot of the fan base doesn't. I understand that. Maybe for the reason that Jack Capuano is still the coach. After you know, we've seen uh, coaches like George Gallant got fired. You know. Obviously, there's not much better out there, but Garth Snow's going to have to work with what he's got. Hey, you know, you talk about trying. You know, I try a lot of things. I try to math my whole life. wasn't too good at statistics, algebra, trigonometry. It doesn't matter. I still didn't do well in it. Now, if he does, now I give him credit for trying, but he the results have to be there. And one playoff win, one playoff series win in the last, you know, how long? How in his tenure? Years. Well, I'm talking about in his tenure, which has been since what 2007, 2006. I believe, uh, it just isn't good enough. Especially with the requisite talent that you had, especially last season. I mean, we saw the way the Panthers series went. Basically, you flip-flop how the Lightning series went. You, you played a lot of close games. You just couldn't pull those games out in the second round. I think the one mistake he definitely made was letting all three of those guys walk. Because in the beginning of the season, beginning of the offseason, when we started, it was right around when we started the show, we talked about, you know, how many of those guys are, are he, is he going to bring back? 
And I said, Nielsen, I believe you said the same thing. If you had to bring back one, correct me if I'm wrong, because I believe he and, uh, he and Oposo got around the same money, but I, I thought not bringing back any of those guys was a mistake. I thought you had to retain some chemistry and the gel effect that these guys had over the past several years when they were here. Matt Martin, you couldn't give that money to a fourth line winger. And you see how he's doing in Toronto. He's not doing too well. Uh, Oposo, I, I actually have no clue. I haven't heard much coming out of him from That's Buffalo. Exactly it. And, you know, when you don't hear much, obviously, probably not going so well. Uh, Nielsen, I know, has, had, has played pretty well, this relatively well this he's season. He's probably been one of the better players in Detroit. And even though they're he's not He's a versatile guy. You need that on your team. He is. And, you know, we talked about also, I, I compared this team to the Colorado Avalanche from a few years back. Good goaltending, really young team. They needed some veterans in Colorado that year. We, we saw the acquisitions of and the signings of Andrew Ladd and Jason Chimera as those veterans. The problem is they haven't played well. I mean, you said it before, Andrew Ladd has not lived up to that seven-year contract that he got. And Jason Chimera, a guy, you know, he is up there in age, uh, playing fourth and third line, just hasn't performed as well. So, and again, not even Art knows what's going on with the goalie situation. He said it. Our guess is as good as his. You've been calling for Barube to play a lot over the last few months. You liked him a lot. You can't put him on waivers. Someone's going to claim him. So you're going to have to keep three, ro- three roles on this roster unless you trade one, one being Grice or Halak. Just, it's a question whether they want to keep on to Halak's $4.5 million for next year. And I don't know if they really want to do that. I, I mean, Halak's been what, what, exactly what he is. You know what? He gets hurt. Thank the Lord that he hasn't been hurt this season. But he gives you inconsistency. And you like what you got taken from Thomas Rice. He has a calm, much more calmer presence than Yaroslav Halak. And Grace obviously carried them in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, he's been given those spot starts, Thomas Rice. But, you know, oh, we do actually have a caller coming on. I'm sure he wants to talk Islanders after the sensational spot that we did have with Art Staple. And it actually is our good old buddy, Andrew from Belmore. Andrew, it's been a while, buddy. How you been? Good. How are you guys? Doing good. I assume you want to talk some Islanders after uh, after listening to some insightful information from Art? Yeah. So I'd like to add on some things, actually. Um, I heard him, I heard yeah. him talk about goalie situation and all that stuff going on. And, um, you know, I'll be honest, and I, I, I think that Berube actually deserved the last two games. Um, you know, he's he's been a great guy in the locker room. He... He's been backing up every single game. He, he, he honestly, he really hasn't had a night off. To be honest with you, he's dressing every single night. He's ready to go. Um, and it just comes down to, you know, Yarrow Halak and Thomas Grice. And who do you want to keep? Who do you want to, you know, get rid of? Um, in my personal opinion, I think that they both have some great value, and we obviously need some bolster on our offense. Because getting rid of Oposo and Nielsen were were huge. I mean, Oposo, you guys didn't mention he's got he's got 23 points in Buffalo, and that's pretty sensational for a team that's you know up, up and coming. And he's playing with Jack Eichel and Ryan O'Reilly, and um, he gained a lot of experience from just having the chemistry he had with John Sparrows. So no matter what they do, they they definitely need to bolster their offense. And get rid of one of their goalies. Well, you know what? I, I like 
uh, I, I agree with what you said about Kyle Pozo. They're really missing the presence uh, of him. You know, he's been one of the it was one of the longest tenured Islanders along with Nielsen and uh, you know Matt Martin. But what you said, mentioned about Thomas Price, you know, there really isn't a market. I am a big Thomas Price fan. He's been a great Islander. Don't get me wrong. He pushed them to get that second round, uh, you know, playoff berth. But I, to me, there's not much of a, a, a trading market or a demand for any type of positional players right now, especially goaltenders. You know, the LA Kings are probably out uh, with John, out of Jonathan Quick till the trade, trade deadline, probably. And they're probably the only contender I can see uh, for goalie. And I don't think you get more than a mid-level uh, a mid-round draft pick well, I'll, for a goalie. I'll say this, right and Andrew, Andrew mentioned his goalie situation too. I think if they start, if they continue to slide, they've lost five straight now. They haven't played particularly well. I, I think you play, I think Rube the starter. I mean, he's a young guy. It's around 24, 25. I don't think there's a need to showcase Halak for, for the trading deadline. I think we know what Halak is. He's been in this league for a number of years. So I think if, if it gets to that point, I think you do it as you do like with the quarterback in the NFL. You, know, you play the young guy and see what you got. I think sooner or later, I think sooner rather than later, it's going to be time to play Berube every day to see what the kid's got. I mean, he is young. You do look at him as goalie of the future, maybe, but you got to figure that out with his play on the ice. Yep, I definitely agree with that, and uh, I do think that he does. He does deserve some playing time. Um, look, he he didn't even he didn't play that bad in the last few games, and let's face it. We're not making the playoffs. The Islanders are not making the playoffs this year, and it's his turn. I mean, they've they've done this in the past. They've showcased goalies. They've, you know, they've had like eight goalies in the last three years to put on pads, and it's it's honestly Burby's time. I mean, he's he's not getting any younger. He's not, you know, he's only going to get older, and I think for his career and for the Islanders, I think they should just start playing him, look to get rid of one of their goalies and they need, they need offense. That's it. I mean, we've got some defense and like you, like Arthur Staples said, either DeHaan or Hickey are definitely going to be going. They're going to be on Vegas somewhere for the expansion draft. And even with that, something, you know, they just got to take a deep look at this. Ryan Pulak, we have, and we do not want to get rid of him. And, um, yeah, Stephen, uh, you, you mentioned that Nikolai Kuhlman and Mikhail Grabowski said they were good signings, but you didn't like the contracts they got. And in the beginning, I did, um, I did agree. I, I think there were decent signings. I think the money was unreal that they got. It was just, it wasn't even, you know, they got they were overpaid, and it's it's unfortunate that Grabowski has been down with injuries and concussions and all that. But uh, you know, in a perfect world, they'd be playing their best hockey. But that's not it. So the Islanders need to look um, into the future sooner than later. You know, work out the coaching situation and uh, just go for more offense. They have three goalies, so. They've got they've got some some players and assets to play with right now. Yeah, we definitely agree on that, Andrew. Unfortunately, we got to wrap up the show. Thank you for the call. Uh, we appreciate oh. it, obviously. We'll talk to you next time. All right, thank you.
All right, we do have to uh, do have to wrap the show up. Some news, some breaking news from Ian Rappaport before we do wrap the show up. We did mention Janoris Jenkins. Uh, they ruled out any any spinal surgery or organ surgery, or excuse me, uh, spinal or organ injuries. So he's going to be okay. Again, I just I really would be surprised if he played on a quick turnaround on Thursday night. But uh, thank you everyone everyone for listening. Thank you, a special thank you to Art Staple of Newsday, Islanders beat writer. Uh, it was a great show. And we will talk to you guys again on a football Friday. There we go. Take care, guys. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.